1: Welcome to the New Books Network.
0: Ja will live in Franksmeda.
1: In En In Frank. Hi, I'm Dan.
0: And I'm Mike. So welcome to 15 Minute Film Fanatics. The premise of the show is that Mike and I suggest movies to each other, we watch them, and we don't talk about them, though, until we have the podcast and record an episode. So today we're doing a movie that I discovered recently. I'd heard about it for a long time. Shame on me. I had never gotten around to seeing it, but I've seen it a couple times since then. I texted Mike, Mike, what are we doing today?
1: Babette's Feast.
0: Babette's Feast, 1987, directed by Gabriel Axel, based on the 1958 story by Isaac Denison, which we'll talk about a little later. It's a great story. In part one, we always talk about our overall take on things. I am dying to know, Mike, what you thought about this movie, so go. You don't
1: often hear Danish comedy, but somehow they pulled it off. This movie kind of reminds me, it's like, did you ever see, did you ever see Wild Strawberries? This is almost like Wild Strawberries was funny, right? It's it's a mo- it's a movie about the consequences of life. It 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 knows Danish cinema in that it it thinks that you think that the movie is going to be ponderous, but it's not ponderous at all. It's extremely funny start to finish. It uses gimmicks that I ordinarily don't like, like narration, but uses them incredibly sparingly and incredibly well. It uses cooking and the life of the chef as a metaphor for talking about art more broadly, and so it's kind of cliche to apply that to the movie itself, but that's what it deserves, right? It uses certain ingredients sparingly, but just in the right amounts, and always with with touch and for flavor. Uh, it's it's extremely funny, and it almost achieve. It's one of the most faithful adaptations of a literary work that I can think of because it's capable in itself of compression. There's a scene where uh, all the querulous parishioners get together and they engage in all their old arguments and the film gives you just as much information as a couple of paragraphs would on a page and it gives you information that you think won't come back again or that's way too in- much information for you to keep in your head who was arguing with who who had an affair with who i don't remember and it's it's kind of the snarky or interesting thing of which a story would be capable, but the film is capable of the same thing. And it gets away with taking its character seriously, but not too seriously, so that when they take themselves seriously, it feels like too much.
0: This movie reminds me very much of a movie we did earlier in our podcast career.
1: The Red Turtle?
0: it. <laughs> That's pretty funny. No, it wasn't the red turtle. This is our second, our second movie with with a turtle as a major plot point. No, when I first started watching the movie, the setting reminded me so much of the witch, and the more that I pushed it, the more I thought of how much these movies have in common. Right, you have these people who are who are puritanical, who think they know what God wants. But in, in Babette's feast, like the you, the um the director and the viewers made to love these people, in the which you're kind of horrified by the father, because remember, they go out into the wilderness because you know the settlement won't even put up with them anymore, because they are they're holier than thou. What's great about it and charming is that they're not like these proud teetoters. you know. You know, in the Bible, Christ says, you know, when you pray, don't walk around with a sad face. Don't when you're fasting, don't let everybody know about it. Pray in your closet, right? Don't make a big show of it. And they try to do that. They try to be good, you know, try to pray the right way and do the right thing and not complain. They say, you know what? When we, we'll eat the food, but remember what they say, we'll eat the food, but what? But we won't
1: talk about it and won't, won't think about it.
0: And we won't taste it. So, so they really, they're trying so hard to be good. And I think the movie is kind of, Funny because it says, well, why do they want to try so hard? And what do you think about that? And you think about the witch. Remember, as we know from Black Phillip says, Dost thou like the taste of butter? And, you know, in this movie, they try to say, no, no, we don't like the taste of butter or or, or or turtle soup or anything. But the movie kind of asks you, well, you know, like, can't you have both? Like, can't you be a good person and still like the taste of butter? Go for it. I mean, let's talk for a moment about how great that guy is that plays Papine, the singing instructor, right? He's how funny is that guy? Uh, he's he's
1: unbelievable. You you know that he's kind of scheming for her, but at the same time you're you're entirely on his side while he's totally. scheming for her because, because he's because not he, leering at her. <laughs> he he really he really is swept away. I think yeah. it's that I think <laughs> it's that he hears her first or he or hears her singing and that's what kind of uh, right. Makes it click, and I, I think
0: that you you really do cheer for him. In fact, you cheer for both their suitors. I think you do. You absolutely because both of the both of the sisters have a way out of that, and the way out is not devilish. Like you said, Papine, he's not like leering at her. I think he he hears her sing, and he's like, "Oh my god, that's beautiful." And then he sees her face, and he's like, "Oh my god, she's beautiful." Like, what are you doing here in this thatched roof cottage? Like, you have to come with me. And that scene where he's singing to her, and they're singing Mozart. I mean. I think what happens is, and he goes to kiss her, she's so frightened by the fact that she has a natural human emotion, right? Like she's so frightened that it excites her, so she has to turn off the valve, and that's kind of sad. Like we want her to sing. We know she's not going to go to the opera, but look at what fun they're having. And I think that –
1: good the The moment that I think captures that the best is after her father gives the grocer a note. Uh, This is for your tenant uh and, he, and he's decided to go away the three of them they're sitting in the dark in the dwindling candlelight but they can still hear the violin come through the come through the window right so you can you can sit in the dark if you want but you can't shut out the music entirely
0: yeah and there, i think her denial of of a very natural human emotion her denial of love is like the denial of food and I think what's 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 funny about the movie and what makes it so compelling and makes the character so likable is that you're on their side. Like they're not they're, like I said before, they're not holier than thou. They're not boastful about what they're trying to do. Like you really you really believe in their intentions. But the but I think Babette comes in and says, well, you know what? She's kind of stirs things. She's like a cat in a hat.
1: Well, I think I think their
0: abstemiousness
1: doesn't come naturally to them, right? So for so for them to say this food does not taste good is one thing. For them to say this food is awesome, but I won't say anything, that is another thing entirely. It makes them relatable. Welcome back some part two. Of course, we always talk about our key scenes or our great moments. Dan, what's, what's a great moment from this movie?
0: There's so many great moments, but I want to use a moment that re- that occurs a few times and it's when Babette is telling her little, the kid, which, which wine to bring out and to pour into which glass during the night of the feast. And I think that that's so great for so many reasons. It, it makes you think like, why does Babette want to use the lottery money to cook them this French dinner, right? So it's a gesture of thanks, but it's also, and I love this word, it's all—it's au- autotelic. Some people say autotelic, right? Which is like an experience you do for its own sake. Very much, I might add, like this podcast. It's something you do just for its own sake because it makes you happy and, and you want to do the right thing. You notice that she doesn't eat any of it. She does not eat the feast, right? So if you think about all those details and which wine goes into which glass, you mentioned before, and that's the theme of the movie, that she's a great artist she's an artist. And if you're an artist, you care about details, right? Her, her creation, this feast is something she's making out of gesture out of love. I think that's why it's so great that she's so particular because they wouldn't know the people at the feast wouldn't know which wine goes into which glass, but she would know. And she's like, if you're going to do it, then every detail has got to count.
1: And it's so beautiful uh, that you get the general to come back. Who's the only one who's, who's eaten at the French dinner and and is and he is he's truly like he's like one of us watching a movie in a room of people that don't like movies. And you exactly he, right. Like. You're looking he's looking for somebody, somebody else to be shocked and surprised. Do you do you know what this is? And they they don't. And they're they're too afraid. They have to block out the ex, the experience of it. But it, it breaks through in the end.
0: Yeah, he's 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 like, you know, he's watching Citizen Kane and everyone else is on their phone. And, and do it he's like is anybody watching this like this is pretty good like no no one because he's the one that says this is real amontillado this is real turtle soup he names the wine to the guy and the yeah. year and yes. the guy says
1: i think it will rain all day tomorrow
0: <laughs> Yeah, because then as you remember bet bet's instructions to him was give him as much as he wants because she recognizes that he's he's somebody that can appreciate all those things so what's your moment well, my moment is when she first
1: carries the ingredients through town. When when uh, Papine first comes to town, he says, "I want to give singing lessons to your daughter." And and the father, the pastor, asks him if he's a papist, uh, which is you know one of the one of his early detractors. Besides that, he's in love with his daughter, uh, and it and it occurs to me that what what it is from the boat to the kitchen, the back door of the house is it's a religious procession, right? And they have all the ingredients and then you think she's going to be last because you see everybody leave with their ingredients and then like the priest, she's actually in the front but instead of a censer, she's got all the pheasants in the cage that she's holding out in front of her, right? And everybody else is trailing behind her with the ingredients because she's going to do this ceremony for them to bring them all together it's, it's her sacrifice for them. But what she does is she sacrifices everything she has. This is like the two mites of the widow. She gives literally her last penny for others. And they are so confused at the end because they don't understand what it is that she's done but it's all there from the beginning when she's holding the pheasant cage
0: you know another way they could have messed this up is is imagine if you know a lesser screenwriter would have had you know Babette has some big secret she has some dark past that she's trying to redeem herself for
1: she's got terminal cancer which is why she decided to give them the 10 that right this is this is i want to show you i love you the way that I can show you that I love you is I'm going to spend the rest of my life with you, right? So both of you have pushed away your life companion, but you've got me. I am going to live here the rest of my life. But since I- And I have a ticket out, by the way. I have a ticket out. And I could get out at any time. But since I won, I want to share it with you, not to feed myself, but to feed myself feeding you.
0: Yeah, and that's exactly why people cook big dinners. That's exa- why I go through all the trouble on Thanksgiving? That's That's exactly why people do it, right? I will feed myself by feeding you.
1: welcome back. So in part three, of course, we always talk about the title uh, or the ending or the key takeaways. So I think we got enough on the title, Dan, what do you got?
0: I want to read something from the story. Cause I mentioned before the 1958 story by um, Isaac Dennison. And I, I just, I just love this. I reread the story in preparation for the show. And I just want to read you a passage. This is when Babette is talking about, you know, what happened to her and how she, she you know, there's no more money, but, but she doesn't regret any spending any of it. She says this, I am a great artist. She said, She waited a moment and then repeated, "'I am a great artist, madame.' Again, for a long time, there was deep silence in the kitchen. Then Martine said, "'So you will be poor now all your life, Babette?' "'Poor?' said Babette. She smiled as if to herself. "'No, I shall never be poor. "'I told you that I am a great artist. "'A great artist, madame, is never poor.' we have something, Madame, of which other people know nothing. And I think that this movie beautifully dramatizes that idea. What is it like to be an artist and to have that thing that other people don't comprehend and don't understand why you would want to even engage in this kind of autotelic activity? I I think it's because she, as you correctly
1: said, she has to be alone and she has to be in the kitchen while everybody's enjoying it together. But in another way, she's kind of eaten for 13, right? She's She's eaten all their dinners, and then the entire experience of doing it, you know, all at once. Yeah. And so she she's just capable. Of some right, a, a normal person is capable of eating the one dinner and then saying, "Well, that was great," but she can eat thirteen at the same time. And so that's it. It is, as you said, it's, it's it's its own reward. It's worth sitting in the kitchen. She she's not made to sit at the table.
0: So, what do you make of the ending and finding out that you know all the money's gone, and now she's going to stay there and. Well, I I think from the most
1: the most obvious plot point, or I think what's being communicated, right, is is first of all that that this that there's something beyond the sisters' austerity. It's not either you're austere or you're irreligious, right? There's gusto in creation, and I think you can tell that because um, if you go back to the querulous. Parishioners. one of the jokes in this movie is when the guy says, you know, you cheated me 30 years ago. The other guy says, no, I didn't, you know, but now that, now that they get a little bit buzzed, the guy says, I cheat, you cheated me 30 years ago. And he says, boy, did I, like, I really got you 30 years ago. <laughs> right. right. Which is, which is what opens right. it up for him to. It's, it's a confession. And also it's an, I forgive you. Right. And so I think the movie is about the ways in which it's very difficult to find somebody who's both generous and austere and this movie really is about generosity, right? Yeah. To to love your neighbor as yourself means to feed them, but you kind of taste the sweetness of it, and and that's the attitude that that has. That's why she goes through life fulfilled, and she makes other people feel fulfilled, right? So, um somebody says, "Wow, the stars look very close tonight. Why is it that I've look I look at the sky all the time, but tonight the sky that they look close to me, and it's it's because of the amontillado, right? You know, it's it's because of the the joie de vivre." Right. that everybody's that everybody's feeling despite themselves,
0: and that joie de vivre, of course, I think, is so well dramatized. I mean, think about how bad this movie would be if they went the route that you would expect it to be, which would be this. She gets everybody together. They have the feast. They have three sips of the sherry. And then they're all hanging from the ceiling and like running around and whooping and hollering. You just get those little moments where like the the old lady picks up the water and then she puts it down and says, no, I'm going to have some more wine. And like what you just said about the guy says, yeah, boy, did I ever. It's that like the the, the food and the wine kind of like just get everything like oiled up a little more just so they can be a little more honest and, and just chill out a little. And that's so, so great to see. Well, they join hands
1: and sing like uh, the who's on Christmas morning and before the party breaks up. And then the one guy says, hallelujah, for no reason. Right? right. So it's what do you what are you actually trying to get out of your austerity? Right. The renunciation of the world is supposed to be to be filled with the spirit. Right. And and it's very clear that the entire party is filled with the spirit. And so are the sisters. And so is Babette. One of the subplots that every that People keep mentioning, including Papine, when when he's talking to uh, the the sister who's singing, is that uh, God is generous enough to give you even what you refuse, right? And so, even if you've lived a life of refusal or you don't really get what's going on, his generosity is so overwhelming that he'll that he'll make it up, right? That there, there's like a hidden verse here for, um, that that kind of covers. What the movie is about, which is that the uh, the years that the locusts have eaten, I shall restore," says the Lord. That's what that's what this is about. And so it's it's about these two women. And and the movie goes to great pains to show you that they've done it to themselves. Imagine how different this movie would be if it's about their father who just chases their suitors away, right? right? But they've both chosen this refusal, and so they've invited the locusts into their into their life of non-fulfillment and ended and have ended up restored.
0: But also they invited the locusts in. Remember, their father was also would not let them get married because he says they are my left hand and my right hand. So they don't want to disappoint. Like they just, you know, you never see a movie about people who want to make other people happy. So when the two sisters d- deny themselves and to, uh, from leaving the village with their suitors, you don't you don't watch it as if you're like, oh, they're so brainwashed. Oh, the the, the father's so terrible. It's like, no, it's like kind of like the, the, you 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 totally believe they think they're doing the right thing. And the movie never makes fun of that impulse the movie never mocks it i mean in the witch that impulse gets them in a lot of trouble
1: no but but it it, the movie has fun with them for 20 seconds which is when the one sister that the general loves goes to sleep and she dreams about the crazy the 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 calf-headed beast on top of the turtle but that is that's the only fun that the movie has with them and clearly it's 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 meant to elucidate their character, but not to quash them into something two-dimensional. They always remain three-dimensional.
0: Because art gives them a glimpse, like it does for you and me, it gives them a glimpse of something like shimmering beyond the dull physicality of this world. And that's why when you and I watch a movie like this, and at the end the general leaves, and he t- and he makes this vow to her like I have never stopped thinking about you and and you' you get like choked up but you can't believe it and then you realize oh this is all made up there is no bad bet there is no like that's what art does it it sh- it gives you a glimpse into this other world where things maybe are are more purely said or purely felt and you can get glimpses of that that's why we watch movies that's why we read books right these people never had it but the feast gives them a glimpse into what art can do for you
1: but and what's interesting about that is that it's all made of Everyday material, right. right? the the beauty of a the beauty of a feast is that the base ingredients, besides the fancy stuff that she orders, are really not that different. Then, do you remember the recipe that the sisters give her for fish and bread soup? And they teach her how to make right. And you like you have to let it all thaw together in one pot on the fire for one hour. And she's like, okay, I got it. They're like one one hour for fish and bread soup, right? And so, what what's the difference? it's it's the transformation of base materials right so it's right. something it's something beyond but the the conundrum uh the, the interesting thing is that it's made of the base materials somehow the ba- enough of the base material pr- prepared in the right way will get you well beyond that into something that's not made of that at
0: all but it's always tied to it every writer gets to use the same 26 letters Right. You get to everyone go ahead, knock yourself out. You get the same scrabble board. Everyone gets 26 letters. This movie is about people who have been reading, like, you know, just junk all their lives. And then someone hands them Hamlet or someone hands them Moby Dick. Right. This is a movie about people who have been watching the Transformers movies their whole life. And someone says, Hey, did you ever see Babette's Feast? Did you ever see Citizen Kane? And they're like, What like it they it blows their minds. And I think it does that in a way. It's so cool because it's a it's a work of art about works of art. We would be remiss if we did not talk about this movie in connection to last week's movie, which was big night. I, I think that
1: this movie is actually what big night promised to be in its trailers. I think actually they can they didn't come out around the same time. They came out about 10 minutes apart, but both are playing against type. I think what's interesting about big night is that if you looked at its cast, and who wrote it, you would think heartwarming story about restaurant. And of course it's, it's utterly devastating. Well, it's devastating at the end, right? It's devastating by the end, but it, right. It's got, a, it, it, it mirrors life in that it has a natural climax to it, where you think that was wonderful. And then it's all over and you have no idea what's coming, right? This movie plays against type, but, uh, but, telling you that you're going to be in some kind of really stilted, strange, right. uh, Danish world, you know, quasi Bergman. Um, but it's anything but because it's incredibly heartwarming.
0: And both films feature feature dinners that I, like, as a viewer, you wish you could go to, right? But they both have the, you know, we talked about this in our episode of Big Night, people sitting in one room, like you have to sit at the table. That's a big thing. And also, I couldn't stop thinking about Primo from Big Night and Babette, like Primo's the big artist. Like you don't have two starches. This is the way you do it. He goes, remember, um, maybe i make you a hot dog. You know, Babette's Feast is about people who have eaten hot dogs their whole lives. And then Primo walks in and says, I will make you the result. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. We hope you've enjoyed our conversations about Babette's Feast. You can follow us on Twitter at 15MINfilm. You can also follow us on Letterboxd. Letterbox. Let us know what to watch next. If you think of other food movies, we are open. We'll see you next time.